0: Amen. You could be seated. Let's well, our hearts. We come to God's word now. And we're really blessed, church, to have Pastor David coming to share with us this morning. So I'd love it if you could put your hands together. If you're at home, put your hands together as we welcome David.
1: Nathan, great uh, honour and privilege to be able to share with you this morning. And uh, as Nathan mentioned in announcements, we are wrapping up this little series that we've been involved in, in uh, this series called Invisible War. Now I don't know about you, but I found this incredibly helpful and uh, when I first came to faith I recognised and realised that we are in a battle, uh, that we are in a war, you know, the Evil versus good, and this battle that rages around us. And so, but for me, I still have found this so helpful. Even though we we kind of understand and know, yes, there is a war that rages, it's been such a helpful series as well as I've discovered um, some just amazing revelations at looking at this. And so, this morning, we wrap up this series. This is the last part of our series. Uh, Although we are doing our prayer night, which I want to encourage you to come out to as well next Wednesday night, or this Wednesday night, sorry. Yeah, next Wednesday, I said it right the first time. Um, And so uh, we are wrapping up this series and we're going to look at this morning specifically at how to prepare yourself, how to prepare yourself uh, for spiritual battle. So it's a very, very uh, important topic. Now, I remember a little while ago now, there was uh, one of the guys who looks after uh, sort of um, quite a few chaplains in this area. He's sort of like a regional um yeah, overseer of some of the chaplains in this area, uh, works for SU. And I remember a, a little while ago, he, he rang or maybe we had sort of bumped into each other. And he said to me, he said, David, uh, every now and then um, our chappies in, in this particular region, they gather together and we meet every so often just to meet up. And he said, uh, would you be interested in coming and just sharing very briefly, uh, but sharing with some of our chappies and just encouraging them. And I said, I would love to do that. I would absolutely love to do that because I value the work The chaplains do, wherever it might be, whether it's in a school or hospital, uh, wherever it is, I really value chaplains and I'd love to encourage them and spur them on. I just uh, value what they do so much. He said, that'll be amazing. Now, uh, there's many of you are far more organized than I'll ever be. And so he gave me plenty of notice, maybe three or four weeks notice. He said, this is the date. this is the time of the day. I said, no worries, I'll plug it into my uh, calendar. Well, I didn't. And uh, not that I meant to, but I just, I just forgot or whatever. And so uh, one day I was here and thank goodness I was here, but on the property. And one day I was here and cha- I just noticed one of our local chaplains from the school was here. And I said, mate, so good to see you, you know, and, and it's such a blessing for me because I get to catch up with a lot of these chappies through our shift school tours and I said, mate, it's so good to see you and I was chatting to him for a little bit then I saw another chappy rocked up and I thought, this is awesome, like, what are you guys doing here? And, and they all sort of, all these chappies start rocking up and then the, 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 the head, that, the guy that looks after this region, he turns up and I said, mate, so good to see you as well and he said to me, he said, um, oh yeah, it's great to see you so are you, are you, good to, are you still good to share with us today? And I was trying to think, I'm racking my brains. And, not brains, one brain. Uh, but I'm racking my brain thinking, what, what's this? And you know how sometimes your mind's like going so fast? And, and so I'm, I'm going through and going through, what, what is he talking about? And then I remembered he'd asked me to share with these chappies. Well, I completely forgot. And uh, I just looked at him and he said, so you, are you still keen? You're still right? I said, yeah, absolutely. Like super keen. And uh, he said, oh, no worries. I said, hey, do you, is, do I have five minutes? Like, do you have five minutes? Just, I'll just go grab something. And he said, no worries. Yeah, we're just still gathering together. Five minutes and we'll see you in five minutes. I said, that'd be awesome. Now, when I said, I'm just gonna go grab something, I meant I'm gonna grab something from my brain to share uh, with them uh, to encourage them. And so long story short, I came back down and, and God was so gracious. And I just, I, I thought of some awesome stories and some great things that had happened lately. And I encouraged the chappies and hopefully it was all good. Um, I apologize about that, mate. Um, So hopefully it was all right but uh, but what i realized and i've learned this many times now there is power in preparation preparation can be really really helpful sometimes and there i was sort of stumbling around but preparation is powerful and what we're looking at this morning in this is this very thing as we engage in an invisible war as we engage in the spiritual battle we are looking at specifically this morning the power of preparing yourself for the spiritual battle and we need to be prepared now don't get me wrong uh the the other tendency is this in this series is to become fearful or worried or concerned we don't need to be because we serve a great and a mighty and a powerful God Uh, but but we need to be prepared We need to be prepared. So we've been looking at these these verses over the last little while and we're going to have a look at it again today as we reflect over again in the last part of this series. It's Ephesians 6 and we're going to look at uh, verses 10 through to 18. But it says this in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Now, I love that Paul, at the start of his, uh, as he writes, I love that he reminds us and reminds those that are reading his letter that we uh, can be strong in the Lord. Why? Because He is mighty, because He is powerful. Now, like I said, it's easy in a series like this, as we look at the spiritual warfare that we're engaged in, it's easy in this series to, uh, particularly in Connect Group, for example, I mean, some of the stories that have come out as as we've come together and met together of some of those intense spiritual battles that we've had. And it's easy to accidentally bring glory to Satan through those stories. But we're reminded, no, no, you don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be concerned. You don't need to be worried in these moments because we serve, as Paul writes here, a mighty and a powerful God. Last night is nothing like getting some sermon illustrations the night before you have to preach. And uh, last night I was up pretty late downstairs and I'm working on this sermon. And I hear this thud, uh, we have two children now, I hear this thud, it sounded like my daughter falling out of her bed and then um, she starts running along the the hallway upstairs. And I thought, I'm not surprised, here I am downstairs up late uh, working on a sermon that reveals, uh, you know, Satan's tactics. And of course, he's going to have a go at me. And I go uh, to the stairs and my daughter's there and she's crying and she's all upset. And she says, oh, dad dad I'm scared I'm scared and I thought of course you are because this is the series that we're in and so um, I go upstairs and I said oh it's all right Gracelyn come on let's go back to bed and she doesn't want to bathe but she says no 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 she said dad there's something in my room there's something in my room I said no I'll go have a look and had a look there's nothing in her room And, and I said come on let's go back we'll pray together she said I can't she's terrified she's terrified she's so scared and I said, uh, I said, we'll pray together. So I coaxed her back into her room. She gets into her bed reluctantly and we pray together. And we pray and I said, Grayson, you'll be fine. God is with you. His angels are surrounding the house. We're here as well. And uh, she wasn't too convinced. I said, you'll be fine. Just try and get some rest. And I left the room. And next minute I hear her getting back out of the bed. She doesn't want to borrow of it. And she, I go back in and she says, Dad, why do you always leave me here on my own? Why do you always leave me here by myself? And I said this to her, and I and I've said it before. She's, you know, said that to me uh, once before. I said, Graceland. I said, you know this is the amazing thing about knowing God. This is the amazing thing about uh, coming into a relationship with Him. I said, did you know God's word says, she's sitting on the edge of her bed, she wants to get out. I said, did you know God's word says that He will never leave you nor forsake you? You don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be worried because did you know your entire life, which is only four years, your entire life, God has always been with you. Even when you felt alone. And did you know God, Will always be with you for the rest of your life. This is amazing, and she was kind of, you know, she was kind of taking it all in. I don't think she was too convinced. But there is power in, as Paul writes, there is power in God and His promises, and so we can come into a series like this, like my daughter, and feel worried and scared and concerned about the spiritual warfare that rages. But we're reminded that no, God is with us, and He's powerful and He's mighty. That that Satan is no match for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's no match, no match for our great God. And so we don't need to be fearful. And Paul continues in verse 11, he says, put on what? He says, put on the full armour. Of God you see he reminds us that you've been given the resources that you need to combat the spiritual battle that you will face in your Christian walk put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against who against the devil's schemes he's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for those of who he can devour for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, uh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces uh, of evil in the heavenly realms. And Paul says this in verse 13, so therefore, so we know we're in a battle. We know uh, this is what we're involved in. So therefore, again, he says, what do we need to do? He says, put on the full armor of God so that when, not so that maybe or so that if, he says so that when, that means we're gonna face it. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So like I said, we don't need to be fearful or worried in the spiritual battle that we're up against because He has given us the full armour of God. He has given us the resources that we need to combat this battle that we are involved in. And it's not a matter of if it happens or maybe it'll happen, it's a matter of when it happens. But the good news is this, God has equipped you, enabled you and you can stand with the full armour of God and stand firm when the battle comes to you. And so what does this look like? How does this happen? How do we put on the full armour of God? Now in this series, it's actually an eight part series and what I was meant to be doing this morning is focusing specifically on I think verses 15 or 16. But I couldn't, I couldn't just leave it there, it didn't feel right. Because as I'm reading the passage, it specifically says to put on the full armour of God. And I thought... in in the Chip Ingram in the series, he continues with another four sermons and looks at some of these later verses. And so I apologize because there'll be a little bit of information here, but I just thought I need to do the whole lot. I need to do all the verses if we're gonna talk, and because this is the last sermon. So I need to look at the full armor of God. So I, I shouldn't apologize, but yeah, anyway, there's a lot of info coming, but we need to look at the full armor if you're gonna be prepared against the spiritual battle. So how does this look? What does this look like to put on the full armour of God? Well, Paul says this, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now we covered this a little bit last week, so I won't spend too much time on it. But the buckle of truth is so important and Paul says this firstly, because this is what centres us. The buckle, uh, sorry, the belt, although it maybe has a buckle too. uh, The belt of truth Buckled around your waist is the Word of God. And this is first and foremost priority for our lives. We need to know the truth. We need to know what is true and right. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. And so we need to know what is true. That when the enemy is brilliant, he's brilliant at telling you lies. The enemy is brilliant at being deceitful. And there'll be times in your, in your life, there'll be times in your Christian walk where you'll think, oh, you know, did, did God really say that or, or uh, you know, you'll be tempted to do something and you need to be able to test it against the Word of God. Well, well, should I do this or not? Does this line up with the Word of God? This is why it's so important to know the truth. So the first part of the armory of God is uh, the belt of truth that we need to have buckled around our waist. So an example might be, let's say you're gonna, it's probably not a great example. But anyway, let's say you're gonna buy or purchase a car. You're looking to purchase a new car and so you test drive a new car and you're test driving it and you think to yourself, you know, maybe I shouldn't spend all this money on this new car, maybe I just steal it, you know? Uh, that'd be a good idea, they don't have to pay for it or whatever. But there's a few problems. Well, one is the sales guys in the passenger seat, so that's kind of awkward. But secondly, and it's a bit of a hyperbole, but we just know when you understand the truth of God, the Word of God, the Bible clearly says, do not steal. So you just go, actually, no, that's not right. This is part of the armory. When you know the truth of God, the Word of God, you, you, you can stand firm. It sets us on the right path, the right direction. And so that's the first thing that, uh, that Paul says here. If we're to put on the armour of God, the first thing that we need to do is buckle the truth, the belt of truth uh, around our waist. Now the devil comes, he's so subtle, he's so subtle. The devil won't often throw at us really big, explicit like, oh, that's an absolute no brainer. I think if I recall correctly, um, there's a book, some of you may have heard of it called The Screwtape Letters. It's written by C.S. Lewis and it's like the, the devil is training his little apprentices of how to get Christians off course. And he speaks about this and he says, don't, don't make it so clear to Christians what you're doing. You have gotta be really subtle. Like he's training these little um, devils, you know. He's like, you have gotta be really subtle. So it's just the little things, it's the little things. And over time, you'll get them off course. Now, it's really interesting because C.S. Lewis, apparently when he wrote that book, he went into a deep, deep, dark depression. And the reason why was because uh, he had to basically get in the mindset of the devil. He had to get into a place of that. And he said that he went through a very, very dark time in his life as he writes this book. But it's, it's insightful and it gives us insight into what the devil is trying to do. And he's so subtle, he's so subtle. And so the first thing to put on the armor of God is the belt of truth in our lives. Now, secondly, which is what I want to spend a bit more time on, but secondly, he says this the other part of the armor is with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness in place. We put it on. A vest that protects our heart, it protects our body when they're going out to war. It was uh, mainly uh, constructed or built out of chain mail or out of bronze and put together, and it was to to, to protect the heart. Now, this is a big one. This is uh, huge. Now, the, to put on the breastplate of righteousness is to walk, a big part of it is to walk in obedience to God. Now, I know that we always struggle and we stuff up at times and we sin and we fall short. That's the reality of the sinful world in which we live. We don't always get it right. But it's a, a, an attempt to live a righteous life to understand and to know how God wants us to live and to walk in that obedience. I think Chip in one of the videos, he says this, he says, if you know what God wants you to do, but you blatantly walk in disobedience, basically what you're doing is you're opening up your armory. You're opening up a hole for Satan to get a foothold there and to start to cause destruction uh, in your life. And so to put on the breastplate of righteousness is to live or to endeavour to live in a righteous manner, to know the will of God and to uh, walk in that. In Matthew 6, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. So you're seeking God out, you're understanding how does he want me to live? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our ways become his ways. We walk in obedience. I just jotted this down. As we wear Christ's breastplate of righteousness, we begin to develop a purity of heart that translates into actions. Wearing this breastplate creates a lifestyle of putting into practice what we believe in our hearts. As our lives become conformed to the image of Christ, our choices become more righteous and these godly choices also protect us from further temptation and deception. So what are some of the things that can cause uh, uh, the enemy to get a foothold, to, the, to open up the breastplate of righteousness. It may be things like carelessness. It may be things like pride. It may be things like unbelief or abusing grace or disobedience, as I spoke about before. A, a refusal to forgive. A reliance on personal righteousness. Or allow earthly concerns to crowd our time and... Um, for an intimate relationship with God and in effect, take off the breastplate of righteousness, minimizing its power to protect us. So here's some of the things in our life that can cause a a chink in the armory, so to speak, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, carelessness, poor choices. I mentioned pride can be a big one as it rises up in our hearts. It gives the enemy, it gives the devil a foothold to start to break down your life and cause hurt to yourself and to others. Pete, uh, Pete's often shared this story, often does it with the interns. When we have a session with the interns, I think he shared it from the stage, I'm sure. But I apologize, I'm stealing it from Pete, but he took a story of mine earlier on, so we're even now. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he shares about, it's, it's, a great, it's a great story, actually. He shares about in, when I first came to faith, I'll so give you a bit of context. When I first came to faith at about 18 years old, God had transformed my life. I was living with, a, with hopelessness, a fear of death, no hope for the future, uh, no ultimate fulfillment. You know, wanting purpose in life and all those sorts of things. And when I came to faith, I discovered all those things and I experienced life and life to the full. And I experienced it was like God saved me. That's the best way I can describe it. God saved me. And when that took place, all I could think about is, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. I am going to tell people about this for the rest of my life. That was it. I just was determined. I didn't need a title. I didn't need to be a pastor. I was just, wherever I was, I was going to tell people about this for the rest of my life. And so I just started serving and jumping in and sharing with people on the job side and all sorts of things. But then because God had saved me, I wanted to give back. And I started serving in the church and engulfing myself in young adults ministry and all these sorts of things. And I, unbeknownst to me, the church had been praying. And the church had been praying whether or not I should be called on as a intern pastor here in this church. I had no idea. And that was certainly not my intention to become a pastor. And so they'd been praying. And I had an opportunity to preach on a Sunday night. And I preached that night. And I was, you know, in the lead up, I'm sure I was praying, what do I preach on? And it was a no-brainer for me. The gospel, it's the greatest news in the whole world. I'm going to preach that. And I'm going to call people for, to, to respond to and so that night I preached the gospel and I called for a response and I didn't know what was gonna happen. But that night, as Pete recalls, 15 people came forward to receive Christ that night. And, uh, and I was, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. It was, and, and, and Pete shares this story like this, from Pete's perspective, he says this, here's Pete, he's sitting there and he's senior pastor of the church. And as he's sitting there, I get up to preach and 15 people respond to receive Christ. And Pete's sitting there and he thinks to himself, oh, hang on a minute. You know, I've been, I planted, you know, God's helped me to plant this church. I've been senior pastor in here. I've called plenty of responses and never in all my years of pastoring have 15 people responded. And so he's sitting there thinking, oh, that's, that's no good. Like this young fella can't get up, preach his first sermon and 15 people respond. Like, what does that make me look like? You know, there's all these, these things going through his head. But it doesn't take too long And see, it doesn't take too long before he realizes in that moment, hang on a second, this isn't of God. These thoughts aren't of God. This is, in his words, this is a pit thought from the pit of hell. The enemy's, you know, the enemy's rising up here and he's starting to put things in his mind. Hey, hey, you've never seen that many respond. And where does it come from? A place of, all of a sudden, a place of pride or whatever. And, and Pete, you know, quickly repents. And I feel a bit awkward sharing the story about Pete. But anyway, but he repents and, and he's a godly man. So, uh, <laughs> so but, but it's a pit thought. But this is what the enemy does, doesn't it? Pride rises up in our hearts, and we think, Oh, you know, that's never happened to me, or how come that didn't, you know, happen? And all of a sudden, the, the breastplate of righteousness, all of a sudden, there's a hole that starts to be exposed, and the enemy, he only needs a little bit, and he just gets in a little bit, and he can start to just turn the screws, so to speak, in your life. And all of a sudden, he gets in. This is one area where we can allow him to get into in our lives. Pride, unbelief is another one. I don't know about you, but I tell you what, I struggle with this all the time. A sense of unbelief could God really do that? I know he said this but oh, could he really do it? Even in the small things in my life, oh, I'm not too sure. Would he would he be able to do this? I remember a little while ago when I bought my first house many years ago and it just the way circumstances were, it we got to a point where we were going to sell this house and and you know it probably wasn't such a bad thing, but I remember there was some the house was located in an area where the soil wasn't great, and there was just general movement um, that sometimes happens. Uh, and it was just an old commission house on stumps, and some, you know, inside the house, there were, it was just it would just move around a little bit, not drastically, but the house would move around a little bit. And I remember before selling this house thinking, oh, maybe, you know, because I thought, oh, I want to get top dollar and that's not such a bad thing either. But, but I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to fix all the stumps under the house and I'm going to try and level it all up and all sorts of stuff. And there were neighbours that around me that they all said, oh, mate, the house moves and when there's heaps of rain, it changes and when it gets dry and all sorts of stuff. And, but I thought, no, I'm going to just try and, get these stumps, you know, fixed up or whatever. And so I remember spending Saturday after Saturday and I'd get a bobcat there and we were drilling new holes. And it, it honestly was like, people had said to me, mate, you're wasting your time. You're wasting time. It'll just keep moving uh, with the seasons and stuff. And I thought, no, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna do this. And I spent eight, like weekend after weekend and I was mixing concrete and all sorts of stuff. And I distinctly remember so clearly as I was down under the house trying to get one of these holes sorted, I distinctly remember God just saying David you don't need to do that like don't do this you don't need to do this or whatever and I just thought no no like you know as sometimes we do God you know no I know better I'll sort this out you know and I distinctly remember just saying just just leave it well anyway and again it's that unbelief that sometimes we struggle with feeling like no God you know can you really you know sort this out and anyway long story short we end up selling the house and It was about six months later, the same real estate agent that sold the house was popped over to our house for something one day. And he said, hey, he said, have you driven past your old place? And I said, no, I actually haven't driven past in ages. And he goes, oh mate, like that. And I thought, what does that mean? And he goes, the house is in the air, like not just hanging in the air, but the house is, they've raised the house, they've lifted up and re-stumped the whole house. And I said, you're kidding me. I spent weekend after weekend after weekend restumping this house, thinking, oh, this will be a good idea. And I, you know... And all this time, just my own unbelief thinking, no, no, God wouldn't know. You know, it's, stu- it's ridiculous, it's stupid. But we struggle with this sometimes. And he said, yeah, it's funny actually. The real estate agent said to me, he said, oh, it's funny, when the guy turned up to inspect the house, he had a look at the foundations and he kicked the post, the new post that you put in. He goes, ah, oh, I don't care, I'm raising it anyway. And I thought, oh, well, thanks for telling me. And uh, and so, but we struggle with this sometimes. Pride, carelessness, unbelief sometimes can cause a hole in our armory, the breastplate of righteousness where the enemy comes in and he causes destruction. Disobedience is another one. How many times has God prompted you to do something or asked you to do something? The breastplate of righteousness when we walk in obedience, this is what puts on the armory of God. But when we disobey, it causes the enemy to get in. And how many times has God prompted you to do something said, I want you to do this? And we wrestle with it and we go, oh, I'm not sure if I can. I remember many, many years ago, a friend of mine was really keen on this girl and he was, uh, you know, he really wanted to date this girl. And anyway, he ended up dating this girl and, and they dated for about a year and it just didn't really work out. Now, both amazing people, awesome people, but together, just, it just wasn't the right fit. It didn't work. And, and at that time in his life, he probably kind of moved a bit away from God and he was powering on for God, but he just kind of got caught up in this relationship and it just wasn't the right fit. And later after they broke up, and I can't remember how it all unfolded, if it was a mutual thing or what, but, but later on he said to me, he goes, you know, I, I think going into it, he goes, I don't know if I actually felt like it was from God, it was the right thing to do to enter into that relationship, but, but I was just consumed and I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And sometimes that's what happens in our life and it could, it could be in all sorts of different areas but that's just one that comes to mind. But it happens in all sorts of areas of our lives where God wants us to do something but we think, no, You know, often the biggest enemy is self. I, I am so selfish and I need the Holy Spirit to break down my own selfishness. It's terrible because time and time again, God says, I want you to do this and I think, no, nah, I wanna do what I wanna do. And it's such a awful trait. But it, and, and praise God for the Holy Spirit as He empowers us and helps us in this. That's the work of sanctification in our lives. But, but this is what happens in our heart and in our lives. And when we disobey, when we go our own way, when we do what we wanna do against what God's will is, it just opens the door for the enemy to get in and start to cause destruction in your life and hurt you and hurt those around you. So this is what, this is the breakdown. So we need to put on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, which is mostly centered around the obedience to God. Verse 15, he says this, what's another way? What's another area of our lives to put on the armor of God? Well, he says this in verse 15, and with your feet fitted, uh, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So first of all, we've got the belt of truth. Secondly, we've got the breastplate of righteousness that we put that on, we live in obedience to God. Thirdly, we are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, what is Paul saying here? Well, he's saying this, he's saying there is power, uh, or let me put it this way, I remember uh, I remember a few years ago quite a few years ago now going on like a Christian surfers uh, camp weekend away and for some reason where we were staying I think there must have been some chess boards there and so we just, I, I didn't really play chess much at all. I've played a few times here or there, but on this weekend, there was a few chess boards there and the boys brought it out and all of a sudden we found ourselves playing heaps of chess. And there was one guy that I was playing and he was really good and, and I kept trying to beat him, but he just kept beating me and I kept wanting to play again. And every time I would get into this position where I think, yes, I've got him here. You know, I'd make some moves. and I think I've got him, I've got him. He would make a move, not in necessarily a defensive way, but in an offensive way. And he would make a move that would attack one of, you know, my, um, what do you call them, chess pieces, attack one of them. And then I would find myself, I thought I was in the offense, but then I would find myself in the defense. And he kept saying this one line that actually got, got quite frustrating after a while. And he'd say, you know what, sometimes the best defense is offense. And he'd make his move and I'd be back in the defense again. I'm thinking, this guy's frustrating me. But he kept saying it time and time again, you know, sometimes the best defense is offense. And when Paul says this, in essence, this is kind of what he's saying here. He's saying, and with the feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What he's saying is this, there is power in being prepared and being ready to share the gospel with those people around you part of the armour of God is being fitted ready with the shoes to share the good news of Christ. It engages engages the battle and there is power though in the gospel message. There's power in the gospel message as you share it with those around you. It is part of putting on the full armour of God. Romans tells us this in Romans 1. It says always, oh, Peter talks about this. He says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that rests within you, but do it with gentleness and respect. And in Romans, Paul talks about the power of the gospel. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God under salvation to everyone who believes. So he says there's power in the, in the gospel. I think Chip Ingram says this, and it's a great quote, but he says, the power is not in the messenger, the power is in the message. The power is not in the messenger, the power is in the message. And part of putting on the armour of God is being prepared to share the message. Because as you share the message, as you proclaim the gospel into people's hearts and people's lives, there is something powerful in the spiritual realm that takes place. As you speak the words out into somebody's life and you proclaim the gospel, there is a power that comes and, and it's a power on those words, the gospel message itself and it impacts the person's heart and it exposes and, and does a work that that sometimes we just don't even understand or realize what's going on. And I've experienced this at times, and maybe you have too. As you you share with someone thinking, I don't know, you know, I did a, I made a mess of that. I don't even know if they understood what I was saying. But I've experienced the power of God as the message of the gospel goes into people's hearts and people's lives. I'm reminded there's there's a few occasions where I've seen the power of the gospel taking place, SU camp. I'm reminded of that was a powerful night. That's the night Travis came to faith. That night, many young people stood up, and I, I, I just, I was floored. I was thinking, what, what has just happened here? Uh, there was a a few different occasions. But one in particular that I recall was schoolies two years ago. There we were, I was part of the Red Frogs program down there. And there we were now during the week, as part of the uh, Red Frogs, we put on a church service midweek for the schoolies to come and experience what it's like to be part of a church service. Now, I mean, you think who would rock up to that? You know, they're down there to party and, and, and whatever. And, And so, uh, but we put on this church service and as we build relationships with these schoolies, we say to them about midweek on the Wednesday night, do you wanna come and experience a church service? We'll come to Red Frog Church. And surprisingly, a lot of them say, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Surf City Church is quite a big church. It probably fits at least uh, six or 700 uh, in there. And so a couple of years ago, and we had schoolies on that Wednesday night, we had schoolies coming through the doors, coming to experience Red Frog Church midweek. And I had the great privilege and honour of sharing the gospel on that night and there was some worship and stuff like that. And I remember standing at the back and because I'm praying my guts out. This is the other thing. When you've got to step up and when you've got to share the gospel, it keeps you healthily accountable. Like you seek God, don't you? Like you pray your guts out because you're like, I'm putting myself on the line here. And so uh, I'm standing at the back and I'm watching the service unfold as the worship's going on and I'm just praying, oh God, help me here. And the, the, the schoolies are running amok. I mean, to give an example, there's one guy, he's got a nutrigrain grain uh, cereal box and there's not nutrigrain grain in it. He's put a hole in it with the goon bag where the, the thing can get out and he's just like down in goon in the middle of the service and all sorts of things in the middle of this service. And so it, it kind of gives you a picture. Now, it's awesome that they're there, but I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. And I remember standing at the back there thinking, my goodness, God, this is like, well, you know, what's gonna happen here? How is this gonna look? And I'm praying my guts out. Well, I go up to preach and I, I just always, I don't know why, but I've always just thought you just give it everything you got and you proclaim the gospel as true to the word of God as you possibly can. And I just proclaim the gospel and I never often make the response very easy. I try and make it, you know, like a real genuine response. If they're gonna respond, they're gonna respond. And that night I proclaimed the gospel there. And I said, I said, if you wanna receive Jesus Christ to be Lord and Saviour of your life, you need to stand up, no eyes closed, no hands up, no whatever. If you wanna receive Him as Lord and Saviour of your life, stand up in your seat and walk straight down the front. And I just was absolutely floored when at least... I don't wanna exaggerate, at least 80% of the room then. 80% of the room got up and came down the front to respond and we were well underprepared. We just weren't expecting that. We didn't have enough people to, to um, share with these schoolies, but it was remarkable. That it, it was a defining moment in my life, a moment where in that moment, I turned around to the band, they were already on stage, and I said, what is going on? Like, what's legit? What is going on? The power of the message The power of the gospel, part of putting on the armour of God is yes, the belt of truth, yes, the breastplate of righteousness, yes, being fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel as we proclaim it. Be prepared, be ready to share the gospel with those around us. In addition, now this is the part, this is kind of where it would normally finish up, but I just felt I had to finish this. And so in addition, in these last few verses, the full armour, Paul says, in addition to all of this, he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The flaming arrows meaning the accusations of the enemy. He puts doubt in our minds. There are times where God has said he's gonna do something or you, you felt prompted to do, but then the enemy comes with these flaming arrows causing doubt in your mind. And you think, Oh, you know, could God really do that? Uh, did God really say that? Uh, one example—I'm not sure why, but it—it uh, it came to me this morning as I was thinking about this. You know, one of the one of the things that we. Uh, as a church, and you may be very familiar with the story. Now, it's in your, in your um, prayer booklet uh, in, the, in the area of revival and awakening. And uh, Pete just mentions a little bit about it. But in the very early, actually, before the church was even here, there was a young girl that sat on the back steps of the house on this, on this property here and heard an audible voice saying, I will bring revival to this area. Now, it'd be easy and we have held on to that. We have held on to that for many years as we've endeavored to move forward and, and allow God to lead us here as, as a church. Now, the enemy will come and the enemy will say, oh, is God really going to bring revival to this area? You know, you know, you know when's that going to happen? Is that going to happen? You know, it will start to bring doubt to our minds. But this is where faith is so uh, so powerful. This is where the shield of faith is so important because we can say, absolutely, no, God has promised this and stand on the promises of what God said He is going to do. So this is part of putting on the armour of God. He says this in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, what is the helmet of salvation for our lives? Well, uh, it's, it's protecting our minds. And some of the ways that we can do this is uh, renewing our minds. This is why reading the Word of God is so important uh, to our lives because the enemy will come, like I said before, and cause accusations and he lies and uh, he deceives us. But when we're unsure, as we read the Word of God, we can line things up with the Word of God. No, this is what God says. We're not you know, swayed left or right. So we protect our minds by understanding the truth of God. Secondly, we reject doubts that arise from circumstances or feelings. The amount of times sometimes, particularly young people, I mostly work with young adults, so I hear it through them, I suppose. But sometimes I've heard people say, oh, I just, I just don't feel you know, God's there. Or I just feel so distant. And I always say, never trust your feelings. Never trust your feelings, trust the truth of God, the Word of God. You, you might feel like God is distance, but distant, but like I said earlier, God's promises is He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So don't trust your feeling, trust the truth. And the truth is He's always there. He'll never leave you. And so we reject those doubts. Uh, Thirdly, we keep an eternal perspective knowing that one day God will set everything right. There are circumstances in our lives that come against us in our lives. There are circumstances right now that you are going through, but to keep an eternal perspective reminds us, hey, it's not always gonna be this way, that it gets better and that one day God will set everything right and we will live in perfect harmony. It's hard to even imagine But one day there'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache. None of that, he's gonna set everything right and it'll be pure perfection, joy, peace, contentment, everything, it's hard to imagine, but that's the reality. Remember that victory is already accomplished in him through Christ, the death of Christ on the cross means that we have victory, that we don't need to be fearful or concerned or worried, that our hope is in him. And so this is part of the helmet of salvation. It's renewing our mind, understanding these things, putting these things in our mind. Now, let me just finish with this. In verse 18, and I wasn't sure you know, whether we go right through, but I think it's important. As we put on the full armour of God, he says this, and pray in the Spirit. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. For all the Lord's people. This is, I am convinced, this is absolutely integral. The the armor of God is this the belt of truth, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, uh, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And he says, then this, and then pray. In addition, pray in the Spirit. This is so powerful. The reason I share this is this, because that's what we're gonna do. And we have been doing as a church. But next Wednesday, we're gonna pray. And I wanna urge you and I wanna encourage you. Now, there's prayer meetings happening every morning. You are so welcome to join those prayer meetings. But I wanna urge you, I wanna encourage you to come next Wednesday and to pray as we intercede because the Prayer prayer is powerful. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Come and pray. Pray individually. Come and pray corporately. Intercede on behalf of this community, on behalf of people's souls. Pray so that even yourself is changed and, and, and impacted. I find this in my own life. When I pray, my heart is changed. I'm impacted, but I believe it impacts the lives of those people around me as we pray as well. And so come and pray. There's plenty of room in this building this uh, next, uh, next Wednesday night to come and pray with us. Now, when he says this, to pray in the Spirit, it is to pray led by the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there are times when I'm just praying and, you know, I'm just praying and I'm seeking God. But there are times when I've prayed and out of the blue, this is what it means to pray in the Spirit, that out of the blue, for, for whatever reason, I just feel prompted to pray specifically praying to something. And it may be completely uh, separate to what we've been praying about, but I just feel prompted to pray into something. Or as I'm praying, I feel prompted to pray for somebody. And I don't know why I hadn't been thinking about them or anything, but I just feel prompted to pray for somebody. Have you ever felt like that before? And then as I pray, I pray for this person. It seems a bit unusual, but I just do it anyway. Okay, God, and I pray for this person. And then later that day, I think there was probably something in that. As the Spirit leads us, as we pray in the Spirit, He leads us and guides us into what to pray for. And then later that day, I think there was probably something in that. And I text them or I encourage them or I give them a call. Hey, I hadn't seen you for a little while. And they go, your timing is impeccable. Your timing is impeccable. Why? Because the Spirit leads us and He says, pray in the Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit, seek where he's guiding and leading us and prayer is so powerful to the armour of God for your life. Romans 8 tells us this in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not not know what uh, we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So the Spirit leads us when we pray in the Spirit. Let me just say, I'm going to share with you one final story. I mentioned it at the start and, uh, and then we're going to pray. But I mentioned this at the start, that in a series like this, as we wrap up this series, it's been a powerful series, the, the invisible war. But I want to say this again. And I felt, I don't know why, just as I was, you know, putting some things together last night, I just felt prompted to reiterate this again. It is very easy to come into a series like this, hear the stories maybe in Connect Group and go, man, this is too intense, too full on. The battle is really tough. But I wanna say this, you do not need to be concerned. You do not need to be worried. You do not need to be fearful of the battle because God is with you and God has given everything that you need to be able to stand firm in the battle. Now, let me just say this. Many, many years ago, I heard this story. It's powerful as it just reiterates this. I heard this story, I read it somewhere. I've got all sorts of different books from past evangelists and revivalists. And and I remember reading this story by Smith Wigglesworth and and, uh, he was early 1900s and God used him to impact many people's lives. And uh, one time he was away and he'd been ministering uh, somewhere in some other town and he'd been preaching the gospel and many people responding. And as he finished this one night, he goes back to his hotel room or motel room. He goes back there to just sleep that night and he had more ministry in that city or whatever that he was staying. So he goes back to his hotel room. He's just there by himself in his room and he gets ready for bed and he goes to bed uh, that night. He's fast asleep, but in the middle of the night, he wakes up. Now, the, the God is omnipresent. He can be in all places at, at once. This is what's so powerful about God. The devil himself cannot be in all places at once. The devil himself can only be in one place at one time. Smith Wigglesworth had been preaching, proclaiming the gospel, and he's in bed all by himself and he wakes up. And as he wakes up, he looks at the end of his bed and standing at the end of his bed is the devil himself. Now, I don't know how you would feel. I think I'd be gripped with fear. And I've had some pretty hectic experiences before and I've been gripped with fear and all sorts of stuff that have happened to me, some spiritual encounters. And I was gripped with fear, i just got to be honest. And so Smith Wigglesworth's laying there and the devil himself is at the end of the bed. Well, how, how would you feel? I know how I'd feel. And this is what happens. This is how the story goes. He wakes up, he sees the devil and he says, oh, it's only you. And he goes back to sleep. <laughs> Here's the thing, we can, we can get worried or concerned, you don't need to, the power, God is, The devil is no match for the King of the universe. He's no match for the King of kings and Lord of lords. God is all powerful, all knowing, and you can trust Him with your life. You can give your life to Him and He's given all the resources that you need in the spiritual realm to engage in the battle. So come on, let's put on the armour of God. Let's stand firm in our faith and walk with God as we walk in obedience in Christ. Let's stand together, let's pray as we finish our series together. Father, we thank You for Your Word, we thank You for Your promises, and we thank You, great God, that we don't serve a dead God, but a God that is alive and active, that we serve a God that is all-powerful, all-knowing, that is able to take care of us, great God, and we just thank You that You have given us the resources of the armour of You, great God, and I just pray, Lord, that You would use our lives powerfully as we put on the armour of God, as we engage in the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare, great God, that You'd use our lives and that we would see your kingdom move forward in power in great power in Jesus mighty name we pray so we thank you Lord and we pray all these things in your name amen amen while we're standing we're going to worship our great God now let's give
0: him thanks and praise amen amen you know it really is the best news in all the world the good news of the message of the gospel that Jesus came he died the death that we deserve, that He rose again victorious, that we might have new life in Him. If you've been listening to this message today, linking it online or here in the service this morning, you know you've never had that moment of experiencing the freedom, the victory that comes through Jesus. The assurance, the peace, the freedom from fear. These are the gifts that Jesus brings to our lives. If you know that God is speaking to you, I want to encourage you this morning to respond to Him. If you're watching online, just click on the Respond to Jesus button, whichever platform you're on there. And and by doing that, you're expressing your faith and trust. We want to help you. We want to encourage you and pray for you in your journey. If you're here in the service, on the mezzanine level. We just want you to, to, to come this this morning, to let us know that. If you came with a friend, tell them, hey, I want to know that in my own life. I want to respond to that. And you can leave here this morning. You can know this today, this freedom in your own life by responding to Christ. And I want to encourage you, church, come join with us as we pray. We are praying and believing for breakthrough in our own lives, greater breakthrough in, in our community, in our city, in our world. How desperately... Our world needs this. So join with us as we pray over this next 10 days. It's going to be powerful. Let me pray a blessing for us. Lord, we thank You for our time together. Thank You for Your presence with us. Thank You for the truth of Your Word. And so, Lord, I want to pray. Bless any that You're speaking to this morning. You're calling to Yourself, Lord. Give them the courage. Help them just to respond to You now, Lord. And bless us as we pray, Lord, as we pray for breakthrough, Lord. We're asking for mighty things. We're believing, Lord, some powerful things are going to take place in these 10 days as we respond to what You've said to us through Your Word over this series. Bless the Connect Groups this week as well, we pray. And we ask now for Your blessing on everyone. I pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thanks so much for linking with in with us today. Don't forget our service tonight as well, 6pm, 4pm as well. You can come out to that one, but 6pm online. But God bless you and we look forward to linking together again soon.